I'm Sir Flobogen Thunderhammer. And I'm Teflon Frosthammer. And I'm Cabbage Tidehammer. And this is Whack. If Ampguard Knighthood means anything, you can't knife a motherfucker and keep it. And the thing that people need to understand essentially about arts and sciences events is that your scores don't matter. You want a black phoenix or a white phoenix? Jeez, language, man. We're on a freaking podcast, for fuck's sake. Mind-blowing experience, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to WACT, where we discuss topics important to the AmpGuard community at large and talk with interesting people from around the foam-fighting world. This week, we have our third saint on. This is Saint Godric. Is it Gracie? Uh, Gray, just like the color. Okay, Gray. Man, I really messed yeah, that you up. Put a C where there wasn't one. Hey, real quick, you said this before we started, and I was trying to figure out. We've had Saint O'Banion, Saint Godric. Who's the Who's the third? Who am I missing? Oh, the other saint. Yeah. I don't. Wasn't it Lyndon? Yeah, Lyndon Saint. Yeah. Is she a saint? Yeah. Oh yeah. my. Well, of course. I mean, she is a saint, but like, <laughs> no in, in title. Okay, that makes sense. That makes Count sense. of the Black Marsh, Rising Winds. So, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. So. Uh, you've watched the show several times. I know we always start with the same question. Tell us how you got into foam fighting. Uh, and if Amp Guard yeah. wasn't your first, tell us wh- where you started and then how you got into Amp Guard. Tell us who's to blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it, it started, uh, not Amp Guard, but more of like, we watched some DAG videos and Amp Guard videos on YouTube and just kind of threw together these awful weapons on our own. Um, but I was a, uh, just finished up my freshman year at college and went back home to Indiana where I'm from. I was going to school in Knoxville, actually, uh, <laughs> funny how all that works out. Um, went back home and some of my high school buddies were at the card shop and they were making weapons from this new game that they had found and established a park while I was gone. Um, and so I kind of showed up and at first I thought that it was, I wasn't a huge fan of the class stuff. I thought it was like super nerdy as if like just walking around in costumes and hitting people isn't nerdy enough but i wasn't a, <laughs> i wasn't a huge fan of the class stuff but i love the costuming and the, like the 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 fighting was always super fun and so then from there uh, jumped in really enjoyed it uh, went back to knoxville and kind of got some of my buddies to play at campus uh, i went to johnson university which is about 30 minutes south of knoxville and so we uh, got six or eight of us to play um, and then I came to uh, fought with uh, Glenn or not Glenn uh, Jeb and Gun a couple of times, <laughs> a couple of times, and then we went up to that the Oak Ridge Park once as well. But it was it was kind of a trek. So, um, yeah. but we were we were as noob as noob gets, right? Like no garb, showing up with awful pantyhose weapons, <laughs> just just terrible, you know. And uh, so we played a little bit. At, uh, at campus, came down a few times to play out there. And then I moved back to Indiana in 2015, uh, kind of got involved more locally with my park, Black Marsh, um, and some of the kingdom stuff and haven't really looked back. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So so Knoxville-based, or, or you're getting into Knoxville is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Did you say you went to college in Knoxville or you were mm-hmm. taking a break? Yep. So, yep. No, I was, yeah, I went to college Johnson in Knoxville. College. For, yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. yep. Trying to make sure I had that straight. Speaking of no garb, by the way, yeah, it's not me. It's not me this week. <laughs> I, I skewered you two times in a row, and then I forget my cards. So I deserve this. So let's take a look here. I've got your Amp Week you pulled up. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously, uh, Serpent Knight. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can see your your plaques on the back wall there. What what started you on that path? What made you realize that was something you wanted to do? And at, maybe at what point did you notice that that was something that was obtainable for you? Yeah, so there were really two different people, uh, like projects, I guess, where I was out at my home park just kind of fighting. And uh, I saw my first Placidip shield. Uh, someone was raiding our park. And I, everything else I had seen at that point, like I said, was pantyhose weapons and like people cutting up t-shirts for shield covers and just, you know, awful normal amp guard crafts. And uh, when I saw a full plastidip shield, I kind of fell in love and went home and cut up some blue foam, did a, a awful plastidip shield that lasted about a month. Uh, and then that kind of jump started that part. And then probably towards the end of that summer, I saw someone come out with a paracord belt and I had never seen uh, a paracord, anything in amp guard. And I was like, that looks real cool. Um, and that's kind of <laughs> just how I, I was like, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to figure what that, figure out what that is. And uh, then as far as when it became obtainable, a couple of years later, like I said, I started in 2011 when I got back in 2015 um, to Indiana, to the rising winds um, started entering tournaments after that, uh, pretty pretty soon after I got back, and once I won one, it was like, okay, okay, can actually do this. It's not as intimidating as what you know, for looking from the outside in. Kingdom tournaments can be these big, awful, you know, intimidating things. And after the first one, I won the first one. I'm like, all right, all right, this isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. So, quick thing here, um, your tutorial videos online are how I learned to make your belt. Uh, and the belt that I'm doing for Teflon right now. Oh, that's a so, really good belt. I knew it couldn't have been you. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Lexi, Lexi, uh, I was looking for a, a simple weave, and Lexi pointed me towards your uh, single-strand serpent weave belt. Cool. Um, and I use I use that. We actually have a half-finished project in a basket behind <laughs> here that you can't see. Yeah. Along that's with a, like, several reels of, uh, of macrame cord oh. or paracord, yep. I guess. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, buy them in the big, in the big <laughs> rounds. You save yourself some money, man. That's a that's actually one of my favorite things that I so far that I've seen in AmpGuard are people reaching out and saying, "Hey, I, I made this," and they'll send me a picture of something that they've made, and I used your video. Oh, like that's, that's really like the cool. coolest thing. Or like when I'm at Keep, people will come up. I I don't know any of these people, you know, and they're like, "Hey, look at my belt. I made it." Watching, and they'll you know say one of my videos, <laughs> and I I love that man. That's just that's been one of the coolest parts about putting all the videos up is helping people from I think. I have sold belts to like 14 or 15 kingdoms at this point, And I've had more than that from people who have made their own belts, send me pictures from their stuff, which is just so, so cool. I love that. I like that you, that you sell them and also will, you're like, Hey, I'll, I'll show you how to make this. If you want one, I'll make one for you. And you very often, uh, we'll actually, uh, we'll actually do some hype for you, um, uh, in the, um, Show notes. Yeah, the show notes at the very bottom of this. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I was I was making the note as yeah. you, I couldn't I couldn't talk and type. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll toss some hype your way. But I know that you uh, you will very often post up some pictures of the commissions that you're working on or, Is this or the, something you the really like. The Guard Weavers Guild page on Facebook. Is that? Okay, I've yeah, so we that one we have a group that we made I don't know probably two or three years ago I think it's got over two hundred people in it now that are mainly amp guard we got a few dag people in there too, um, but it's people can ask questions on there we have a bunch of people who make video tutorials which is really cool now too, um, and it's kind of just a hey what are you working on help me out with this uh, community that's been that's been really fun to be a part of. Okay, that's really cool. Um, 
So we talked a little bit before you, uh, before you came on. You have a different outlook than some of the other serpent belts that we have had on. We've, uh, a lot of the people that we've talked to have very much been a, hey, you know, don't worry about tournaments and your, your scores don't matter. I mean, that's a very uh, iconic part of our intro now. Um, yeah. But you actually really enjoy participating in tournaments. You really enjoy the competitiveness of them and things like that. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I when Lyndon talked about that quite a bit, and I agree that 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 her stance the scores don't matter is a is a valid option, but I don't think it's the only option. Uh, I think it, it's it depends on what your goal is, right? If your goal is to increase your craft to get yourself to masterhood, that is a different path than I want to come in and dominate and win the tournaments. Right. And, and the, it's two different mindsets. And so I'm a hyper competitive person uh, in like our company battle games. Love them. I love Phoenix League. Jugging is a like I just it, I, I love competitive aspects of our game. Right. And I'm not I'm not the best fighter in the world, but I participate in every fighting tournament I can. Like it's it's enjoyable and it's fun. And same thing with the ANS. And so kind of the way I look at it. And I've gotten flack of, of this for the, through the years, but if, if you're in a fighting tournament and there is something you can do that is available to everybody else, right? It's not a cheating thing. It's not, you know, if, if your tech can be slightly better and it's a quarter of an ounce lighter, if you're going to wear a specific type of shoe that's going to give you a, a, a micro advantage, mm -hmm. you're going to take every advantage that you can to help you win that tournament. Um, and Absolutely. I kind of take that same approach when it comes to the arts and sciences. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to play the rules, like depending on the rule set that is, uh, you know, presented to me, if there are a chance for bonus points, I'm taking them. Uh, if there, if I know pet peeve, uh, of mine, when people ask for judges on like a public forum and they post all of the judges, the, like the judges comment, Hey, I'll do it. Hey, I'll do it. That's letting me as an entrant know who my judges are. And so theoretically, if I know who I'm, I, I am completely good with our judges not being anonymous. And I'm, we, I'm sure we'll probably get into that. But Same kind of. I, uh, yeah. And so, but if I know beforehand who my judges are and three of them happen to be in the same fighting company, I'm going to make some items for this tournament that are going to be in those company colors. Banking on one or two of them might lean into that bias that they don't know that they have. And you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm taking every little advantage that I can get to, to win these things. Yeah, and I mean, if you're in it to win it, these A&S competitions yeah. can be expensive. So why not take every edge out that you can? I mean, it makes sense. So like on a tangential thing, um, yeah. when I saw vendors at some of the Belgarth things, uh, in near Nashville, they actually would make, um, their laser mugs, like they laser etch mugs or something like that with the companies and things they knew are going to be there because it's more likely to sell for them than necessarily a generic item. Yep. Like, I don't know why I mean, it knowing never... your audience yeah, is, is I don't know skill. why it never really occurred to me from even just a vendor to also uh, the tournament aspect to, to go that route because I... If I'm going to be competitive about something, I'm like you and I'm going to game the system in any way possible. Yeah, and, and so like when I vend, I go... I vend at DAG Amp, and AmpGuard, and so I know where I'm going and what kingdom I'm in. I'll do my research on the largest companies that are there. I'll make two or three belts for each of those. I'll make sure I come in with Squire's belts and I have two belts, Knight's belts for each 
uh, path and then I'll have some like if I'm going to show up and I'm going to vend which I do quite often because it pays for my tournaments. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I do my research on that. and I know who's going to be there and what I'm most likely going to be able to sell. And then it's the same thing with the tournaments. If I know my judges, like if I can get that advantage, everyone else, you guys are entering against me, can get the same advantage too. If you try hard enough, I'm going to take it. I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, you're, not, you're not doing something nobody else can do. You're just right. doing something yeah. people don't do. W- one quick question because I know Flo has a thing. Um, but this this is eating away at me, and I just thought it, you vended at both DAG and Amphgard tournaments. Mm-hmm. Who pays more? DAG by far. Oh. By, hands down, hands down. That would have been it, my guess. Dude, but, the culture around yeah. DAG and Belagarth, as far as how vendors work and everything, is so different than what we view it, and it's yep. really quite interesting too. We could literally do an entire episode over yep. the random culture differences like that, and it's really cool. So just just Put for instance. Uh, Middlemarch is the Indianapolis Dagger Here Park. They put on an event every April, well, every non-COVID April, right. uh, called Olympics. And it's my favorite foam fighting event that I've ever been to. Um, and oh, wow. they have a massive, um, yeah, they, they have a <laughs> massive vendor's row. And there'll be 15 or 20 vendors showing up. Um, but this this tournament, essentially, they do they do the four horsemen tournaments. There's individual tournaments like an amp guard with single blues, you know, and your reds and, and your sword and board and flow and all of that. Um, but the when you show up at DAG at O's, when you sign in at gate, you have to be in garb or show you have garb. Like they don't let you onto their event field without garb on. This and so now this dovetails into oh, a conversation I was having some with somebody the other day where dagger here events people are much more in it seems like in character, and maybe mm-hmm. that's just because they're all wearing garb because they have to. Yeah. Be. Well, they even take that step further. Like whenever I went to one of the um, what was it equinoxes, um, so there were several people giving me a hassle about my modern uh, boonie kind of hat instead mm-hmm. of like a more medieval hat and things like that too. Have you considered that you just look like an idiot? Uh, I mean, yes. Okay. <laughs> the, the cool thing about DAG, though, is like it is, it leans very heavily into the fantasy stuff. So mm-hmm. while they want you to be in garb, you can walk out in full Viking garb if you want to, and that's completely acceptable. I'm but done. you can also walk. I'm good. Yeah, you're, you can you're walk in a out. Soccer jersey, dude. No, no, I don't mean right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you could also walk out. I've seen like full dwarven plate and guys with the big old beards and trying oh, yeah. to role play the dwarven stuff. So it's, it, it's pretty open, but to play, to play their game, you have to have garb at events. Now at the local level, it's not as bad. Like I play, I play dad quite a bit locally too. And it's not, it's not that strict. I think it but varies when they're at a the events, bit, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, they're a little well, more strict than they're definitely way more strict than amp guard. Right. But like mm-hmm, the local ones sure. I've been to, um, if you're not within about a month or whatever with garb, mm-hmm you're starting to get, you know, razzed about it and, and everything too. So Yeah. Well they have they have a rule very similar to the SCA, which is like a reasonable attempt from ten feet away. Yeah. Right. So like you can walk out in a fairly in pretty basic garb at DAG and be fine. It's just they don't want your cleats. They don't want your mechs. They really, really don't like lacrosse gloves, but you can just say it's a safety thing and they'll let you. Right. Um but like they they don't want any jeans. They don't want any neon. They don't like and, and the reason no I think neon. for this is, yeah, no neon. Oh. <laughs> and the reason for this is anytime you get on a big field, they want to take pictures and they want those pictures to be able to be on that the internet sense. and on Facebook. And Absolutely. it's an advertising thing. And so I love that. But that goes back to the original question. 
in DAG, it is expected that you spend significant. It is expected that you acquire, either make or spend money on at least one, if not more, good kits of armor. And so, or not armor, sorry, garb. And and you know, you need to look good when you're out there. And so Amp Guard, one of its advantages is that it is the cheapest of the boffer sports to get into. Right. That is also one of the disadvantages is we are the cheapest boffer sport to get into. And so when I tell someone at Amp Guard, hey, you know, I, I want you to go buy one of these smiley foamwork swords for $60. It's going to last you for, you know, a year or two and you can, you know, beat it up and it's going to be great. Amp Guard are sometimes... Uh, back away from that. They're not, you know, when we tell them, hey, we can get you started for $10 and then you say, hey, spend more money, it's kind of hard. But yeah. at DAG, if they, you know, you walk out on a DAG field and the average kit's $300, like it's the same same thing with SCA, right? You go into it with a certain mindset and people are willing to spend more for it. That's fair. Yeah, like I've noticed talking to a few cross gamers like Telfair or Gary Ice um, and, and people like that, a lot of times they're more likely to be, uh, to buy like Gorg stuff or something along those lines than they are to make it themselves. Um, which is not to say that that like a crafting thing doesn't exist in in Belgarth and Dag, but it is um, I don't know less like looked down upon to buy stuff or something. I'm not really sure because like it's not really looked down upon in Ampguard necessarily, but how much you pay the expectation is much higher in Dag and Bell than it is in Ampguard. Much more reasonable, I'll say. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> and, and, and there's something to be said, too. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you're good. Uh, I was okay. just going to say... There, there's something to be said, too. In... <laughs> we have a delay. <laughs> Godric? Go, f- go. go f- No, no, it's you. It's you. It's all it. you. It's all you. Okay. We're not yeah. going to go. Cool. Uh, <laughs> something to be said, too. In the the you know upper intensity of Dag and Bell, their weapons, especially their poles, uh, hit significantly harder than ours. And so, personally, I'm willing to go pay Gorg two hundred dollars to make me a pole to make sure I'm not going to hurt somebody. Compared to my fun noodle foam, like the super noodle foam in Amp Guard, like right. it's just their game hits, especially with the poles. I think with the singles, it's not too. I fight pretty much the same at both with my single and my board. It's it's pretty much the same, but with with the poles in particular, I'm all right paying somebody to make sure that I, I've got a safe one. I actually, so since Jay's going to be a part of every single one of our episodes, apparently now, he messaged me while <laughs> we were out playing disc golf earlier uh, today, let me know that uh, he and I ordered a Gorg Shield. Mm. Um, and so they're in One now. for the two of you to share. Yeah, that's right. We <laughs> both have to have a hand on it for yeah. it to count. Um, but we did the same thing. You know, we looked over and he, Jay has made... I don't know how many shields. The one that was in the background last week was... I think the count was close to 15 to 20. Like, not even yeah. kidding. Mm-hmm. And and he ultimately said, you know what? This guy know what he's, knows what he's doing. You know, it's more than I would pay if I made it myself, but I want something that can work in both games, that I yeah. know is going to be safe in both games, that's well-constructed, and is going to stand up to you know being left in my car and to- stuff tossed on top of it and everything else. Well, I think this is a this is also a side effect of Amthgard growing up. Like, mm-hmm. we are willing to spend more now like i've seen amphgar to say like oh i spent you know three hundred dollars on this tunic and i'm like wow that's a lot like i you never would have heard that 10 years ago but we're yeah. we're growing up we're getting better jobs that kind of thing so people are becoming mm-hmm. more willing to but anyway this is an amphgar podcast not a dag podcast so let me <laughs> let me veer us back on the course because this I did. this is a foam fighting it's a says in our intro it is it is but we <laughs> i i veered us into dag territory real hard Yep. I didn't mean to. Um, so I, I apologize. That's d- cross gaming is a big thing for me. I love cross gaming. I think everybody sh- in our game should cross game. 
because it makes everybody better. I don't disagree with that, honestly. That that is a good idea. So I have another DAG question for you. God I don't know it. a whole lot about <laughs> it. You're killing me. Does DAG have what would be? I, I know that their knighthood works very differently than our knighthood does. Do they have the equivalency to like an SCA Laurel or uh, Imp Guard Servant Knight in in DAG? So, yes, but it's not very prevalent. So the the way that their stuff works, there are specific orders of knighthood, and generally those are geographically located. Like in Indianapolis, they have the Silver Order, and that is their you know, and they each order can have their own individual requirements uh, to obtain knighthood. I like and that. so, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And so, certain orders throughout the country have ANS requirements. Um, most of them will have, you know, you need to be able to craft weapons and shields. That's a requirement to be a knight, for instance. Um, and then some of them go really hard in it. There's one in particular that's based on like the Druidic stuff. So like you have to learn so many words in ancient Druidic and you have to know so many of your local, you know, plants and fauna and like each one can do their own thing. And so, yeah, there are ANS equivalent knights, but they're not everywhere, if that makes sense. Okay. All right, let's bring it back to Amp Guard. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I just I, I I had to go off on that tangent, but uh, it was it was it was actually a pretty cool one to be honest with you. The the I think you were Teflon pitched the idea of like the cultural differences and, and scoping those out. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Um. So I want to go back to your your first uh, big ANS tournament win, right? Mm, you, you mentioned yeah. that was that was where you got hooked on it. You got kind of grabbed by it. Um. Do you remember what you turned in that gave yeah. you that big win? For sure. So it was funny. I actually didn't get a go uh, to our tournament. It was a weapon master, dragon master, and I sent entries with a friend uh, because the all the stuff was up. I want to say like two hours away, hour and a half away, and I just I couldn't make it. And so I sent in a bunch of paracord belts. Um, I sent in I want to say some awards at the time too, like some like hand drawn awards, um, and. That one in particular, I did not get best in show, but I won overall. Yeah. Um, and so it was one of those things where I'm sitting there at work and my buddy texts me and he goes, hey, you won. I'm like, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, I, I, I did not expect, I didn't expect it. You know, it was the first tournament. I just kind of sent some stuff up there and, and it uh, it was a decent turnout. You know, some some ANS tournaments can have 10 items and some can have 100, right? And so it... it we kind of like in the warlord stuff, sufficient competition matters. So not every ANS win is the same thing. Um, but that one was, I was comfortable with that win looking back on it. Like there was enough people there to where I felt it wasn't, I didn't steal it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, does rising winds look at awarding higher level rewards based on uh, the tournaments or do you guys have a culture mm -hmm. where you don't really have to compete, but if you're making quality things, they're still being seen. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really both. So for instance, uh, I got, it's all about visibility and tournaments are the easiest way to be visible, but they're not the only way to be visible. Um, so I got my master dragon mainly through tournaments. One of my best buddies is a master owl. His name's Lao Tzu. Uh, he does woodworking, amazing, awesome stuff. He never entered a single, a single kingdom tournament his whole time. That's good to hear. Um, and we got, that's awesome. we got our masterhood within a year of each year and a half of each other. So both are, are prevalent. It's just your, your stuff has to be visible. And if you're not going to enter tournaments, you got to be kind of creative about what you do. This guy, Lao Tzu, was creative because he made like thrones that the king sat on. He made knighting's chests that everybody saw. 
stuff like that. Oh, that's so really like, cool. that's what I want to yeah. do. I Seriously, that's what I want to do. You guys should go check his stuff out. It's Lao Tzu the Builder on uh, on the Orc and uh, Sam Maffet for on Facebook. Dude okay. is awesome. He he makes such good stuff. It's in the show notes. So, um, kind of tangential to the last question in a way. Um, yeah. Have you gotten any awards from anything that you have vended, or do you know anyone who has gotten an award mm. from a vended item? Yeah, this is a hot button topic. I think so. People, um, people think like if you're making money off of it, you can't also get awarded for it, and that's yeah. And I, I think it's and crap, they're wrong. But yeah. Well, I, now you're going to influence his answer, but I think, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're I think done, that's wrong too. We're done. We're done poisoning <laughs> no, I, the well I now. I think that's wrong go. too. <laughs> no, he already said he vended, so I figured he'd you know go along with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Personally, my vending kind of went the other way um, in that I made stuff for tournaments and then I turned around and sold it, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So I didn't vend thing like I didn't make stuff to vend that then got awards. It was kind of the other way around. Um, but I know I know of a lot, a couple of different Serpent Knights up here who have made uh, stock items to sell that end up getting, you know, got got awards wow. for it. That's awesome. Uh, especially if you go back five or ten years. So one of the questions that has come up over and over again for us is the interaction with the judges. Um, I want to start by saying that I am not saying anything negative about the people that are volunteering to do this. It's a lot of hard work, but we have heard over and over again uh, from people that they turn in items and the items score well or the items don't score well but they're not really given any kind of feedback as to why they scored well or didn't score well. You, your outlook on this, which is more of the, I want to be competitive with it and I want to be the best that I can be. And I want to go up against the best that I can be. When you were coming up through the ranks, did you have this problem and what advice would you give to other people that are trying to make that climb now? Yeah, for sure. So I don't know how how your guys' tournaments are set up, but our judging has four categories and they, they kind of have different percentages on what they're worth. So for instance, um, presentation and documentation is only ever like 10% of your total score. Um, then craftsmanship is generally 40%. And then your scope, which is like how difficult was it? And then you have creativity. Have I ever seen anything like this before? And so the judges give into like we do one through ten. Um, I, I, I know you guys were talking about you guys do the five point scale. We we do one through ten, <laughs> and I get scores for each of those, right? And so if I see something like for instance, my craftsmanship on some of my early belts was like nine, but it was a page belt, so it got like a three on the scope and a three on the on the creativity because it was a single color page belt. Right. Uh, And so using by breaking your scores down into those individual categories, even if you get I don't want to call them terrible judges, even if you get a judge that has 200 items to judge and they can't leave you good content. Right. (laughs) um, You can at least look at the breakdowns of the scores and be able to see what you need to put more effort into next time. Have you ever run into an issue Um, where somebody gave you like a like a have you ever run into an issue where somebody gave you like a five for construction and you couldn't find out why? Like they just they just threw down a five and, and walked um, away. Yes, but most of the time between the other judges, I would get 
something I could use, right? We do okay. we do five judges, drop the highest, drop the lowest. And so most of our recent tournaments have all been, the comments have been done on the computer. Like our judges either judge from home with the digital stuff or they bring their laptops and type in their stuff because it's a lot easier than like writing on the cards and you can get more into it. So even if one judge doesn't give good info, um, generally one of the five will. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. But yeah, advice for people that are kind of like coming up against what do I do next? Um, take the feedback that you get and take it to heart. Uh, because oftentimes you'll get judges that are going to judge, you know, two of the four tournaments a year. So you're going to get reoccurring judges. And so when you do that, you can take a look at the things that the judges are particularly looking for. If you get a comment that says, hey, your seams weren't finished, do this next time do it right even even if you disagree with it even if you think it's wrong and then in your next write-up put i did this the first time judge a said this so i'm doing this <laughs> right yeah. and if you if you put that in your write-up the, the future the next judges can't say like if they say you're wrong they're saying that one of the other judges is wrong and then that <laughs> most of them don't want to do that right. <laughs> right so so i know that people know you best perhaps for the belt work that you've done what are some other areas of ans that you're into yeah i kind of kind of bounce all over the place uh my my end goal is all three ans masterhoods uh, oh, i want to nice. get i want all three of them um so belts are the main one uh plastidip is what got me into it i've made i don't know half a dozen of those um pretty fun i've done a little bit of like lamellar armor and some a little bit of leather working not much uh, digital awards is another big one that I, I love doing. I love making the awards. And then I'm just now getting into Garber uh, too. So I'm, I'm learning to sew, which has been adventure. <laughs> I was going to ask if you, made the, if you made the hood you're wearing, because it looks really good. No, this is, this one is Sir Declan. He's the only, ah. he's the only person I know that has all three A&S master hoods. Oh, nice. Uh, so he's, really he's cool. kind of the one I look up to for all this stuff. Yeah. Is, I think yeah. that I recognize the name. He's the captain of Ferrum Farum Crocs, right? Or one of the captains? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, he's he's one of our yeah he's one of our founders. Our captains kind of rotate on a oh, yearly okay. basis, but he's he's one of our founders. Yep. He's a three belted knight out of Griffin's Perch in Indianapolis. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I met the guy um, at an event once because he would make uh, he would mold clay mugs because at Dag you can't walk around with a beer can or anything, right? But you can walk around yep. with a clay mug that looks suspiciously like a can. That's strangely the same size as a <laughs> yeah. Pabst Blue Ribbon can. Huh? Yeah. He said, uh, I was talking to him. I was like, man, that must be really profitable for you. He's like, yeah, people will get drunk and drop them, and then they have to come back and buy another clay mug. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He, uh, believe it or not, he actually has a master's in pottery. Like That's, oh, where, wow. that's really where, cool. that, yeah, where that comes from. I'm so. not trying to be a jerk. I didn't know that was something you could master in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I assume you can master in everything. That's <laughs> just really cool. I mean, I hood, people sorry. do really When cool I say masterhood, uh, I'm talking like the academic degree. Yeah, that's of, what I thought. I okay, know, okay, okay. I didn't know yeah, you yeah. could master it. That's amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot of history behind it and stuff. Um, I, I, so picking cap, you know, company captains and stuff, do the triads just play nose goes? Oh, no, no, no. We have... Oh, you're talking about when we have to pick a new captain? Yeah, do you just... Not it? It's a ritual. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it it, in, it involves drawing uh, ancient symbols on the ground and uh, sacrificing bottles of Parrot Bay. It's and... nose goes. They're playing nose goes. <laughs> let's, just, let's be real. 
So I want to I want to talk to you about the uh, the value of a, a five or of a ten, mm. right? Mm. We've talked about that that scoring system a couple of times. Um, there are some who believe that a, a five or a ten uh, should be unobtainable. It's perfection, and no one's ever perfect. You're always chasing it. You're, you're shaking your head. Um, yeah. So so where do you stand on that? Yeah. So unless here. I'll give you my like my judging rundown when I when I am when I'm judging uh, unless I have a rubric telling me otherwise uh, I take a look at each of those individual categories that we were talking about and if I am looking at that item that particular the craftsmanship only of this item I'm going to award a one to ten based on what order I feel if I were the region I would be comfortable giving that Um, and so for me ten is masterhood. So it is definitely obtainable um, because that's what I want to see from my masters. Um, so if like a, someone enters a belt and I'm regent craftsmanship, only looking at that craftsmanship one, if that's worth a sixth, I would be okay giving up to a sixth order of the dragon or whatever your kingdom gives for them. That's I'm going to give that a six. Um, and then I'm, I'll move to scope and do the same thing with scope. And then I'll do the same thing with, you know what I mean? And go through that way. Now that's a really cool take because it's also kind of you indicating like what order you believe they deserve. Because I've I've had to look through ANS yep. scores and and see like okay this person got a seven what order are they currently on okay they're on a three so they definitely should get an upgrade but it doesn't really tell me on its face like what they should be at so that's a cool a cool system mm-hmm. yeah I like it too well, because it's, it's... <laughs> man this delay's fun I like it too because you're kind of in this situation where when you when you like you said when you're passing stuff on to the monarch it makes more sense because if if Godric and all of his fellow judges come back and say, overall, this piece rated an eight, you're not really left questioning where, where order-wise I would let this fall. How does that, but how does the system work in full, though? Is, you mentioned there was four metrics. Is it drop the lowest? Is it just a, a set average of those four? Drop the lowest and drop the highest, right? Of the five. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Well, that's so... Yeah, of the five judges. Yeah, so essentially we have we have four categories, and they are each given a percentage of your total score. So presentation and documentation is only going to be 10% of your total score. Then right, right. generally craftsmanship is 40%, scope is what it was 25, and creativity is 25. And so I will, as a judge, enter those in, and we throw them into a spreadsheet that does all the math for us. And once it adds all that together, I get a 7.4. You take the five judges that have all done the same thing. Highest gets dropped, lowest gets dropped, and then you average the three that are left, and that's yeah. the. See, I kind of, I kind of like that yeah, um, I do too. because then your judges are coming to you and by consensus saying we all feel this is averaged out to a tenth order without having to take a real guess at it. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're, like you're not reading ten. tea leaves mm-hmm. now. Now, caveat: that's how I do it. That is not like a standard kingdom practice by any means. Listen, this is uh, your episode, so it's the right yeah. way. Yeah, I was going to say. So this, this is what the Rising Winds does. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is what I want the Rising Winds to do. How about that? No, that makes um, sense. <laughs> it, it really, really makes sense. And um, I think that our award system can be looked at and to some degree redesigned in that kind of basis because I've kind of set it on how Order of the Warrior works and stuff like that too. Um with looking at it instead of just these numbers that are kind of nebulous to um, like tourney wins at a duchy should be able to show up at seven, you know, cause that's where, it, well, at least for us, that's where it gets capped. Um, we'd have to look at like 
uh, everyone's Kapora if we were going to do something like that in the rules change or something. But I, I like it because it's trying to standardize where these awards sit, and I really, really enjoy that. You said look well, at everyone's Kapora, and I started yawning. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cool the cool part about doing it that way too is it gets built in award recommendations from your judges because yes. like it's always a hassle i've I, i've run tournaments i've been regent like to go back after these people have then donated six hours of their time to go through the tournament and say hey what would you recommend like you don't have to with this system yeah like, absolutely it, it's I love just that. built in yeah, that's that's my favorite part I about it that. is I can go. Oh, that's a seventh. Well, they're on their fourth. Mm-hmm. Give them their next damn order. Like yeah, because yeah. I always wanted to go to a ten point system as well, but I never really equated in at least as good of words as you put out mm-hmm. uh, how to do that and why it works better that way. This is why he's a goblin. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it depends on the tournament. I think we do half points or quarter points. I don't remember. Each tournament can have a different rule set, but we do. You know. Full points, half points is generally what we do with those. That makes sense. Um, so we talked about sewing uh, a little bit, and that you want to get all of the others uh, as well. When you, uh, what masterhood do you already have? What did you actually get knighted off of? Mm. Was it out? Did did your belts go towards owls or dragons? <laughs> so all three uh, is it. <laughs> I, I have a master dragon. Uh, I have like 20 something awards spread throughout all three of them for belts. Um, When I was coming up, there wasn't a precedent in our kingdom for what they were supposed to be. Um, And so I would enter into tournaments and one turn, one regent would give me dragons. The next regent would give me owls. The the following regent would give me garbers. And it was incredibly frustrating. Oh yeah. I bet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think personally belt should be owls. Uh, Cause that's what the rule book has it under, or the, at least the wiki says has belts listed as an owl. The argument is, is that that means leather belts or that was the intention. Um, so then the second choice for me would be Garber. Cause I think it's a garb accessory. Um, I am glad it's not considered Garber in my kingdom. Cause I think I would never get masterhood <laughs> if it was uh, just cause of the standard of garb. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, you, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I think master Garber is probably the second hardest award in the game to get after um after warlord because of the garber has this standard very similar to warlord you got to be as good as the other master garbers in your area and that's really high when we have professional level like you can make a career on garb people in the kingdom yeah absolutely i'd agree i just never really thought about it um as far as that term in those terms but i think i would actually 100 percent agree with you well and it's got to be more expensive too master garber i mean when you're making yeah. nice garb, that fabric's not cheap. Right. Well, that's one of the things I loved about belts to begin with was that I can I can grab $9 of macrame in a $2 ring from Tractor Supply, and I can teach a kid how to make a belt. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're at $10, and you, you can have something that's literally going to last you for the rest of your amp guard career if you want it to. Um, and then when I'm making garb now, you know, linen's $12 a yard. Silk is more than that. Like... <laughs> you know what I mean? It... <laughs> yeah, and and it's not going to last anywhere near as long as that belt. Yep. Um, it's going to get old. It's going to get torn. It's going to be linen, so it's going to dissolve immediately. You know, it's, yeah. it, it just happens. <laughs> it's it's going to fade. Yeah. I mean, like I have, I have paracord belts that are ten years old that are still going strong. I have paracord belts that people have used to pull their cars out of ditches. Like <laughs> these. 
these things are awesome, right? I've seen and it then, done. Yeah, <laughs> but then you, you look at the garb and the garb, like we were talking about earlier, I think is a critical part of the advertising of our game and the look and feel of our game. But man, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. So there is um, not all that unpopular ideology, especially in Winter's Edge, but I've seen it all over that like, and I think I know what your answer is, but there's this ideology that um, for you to continue getting orders, for you to continue advancing down a path towards a belt, uh, your next piece has to be better than the piece that came before it. And there has to be this constant state of improvement. Um, and, and you know, based off the, the scoring system that you said, I kind of feel like you don't, you don't necessarily align with that. But I wanted to know your thoughts because for me it seems like if you're good enough, you should be able to come in and just start moving towards a 10 without having to get better. Yep, for sure. I think if someone is, I think we see this quite a bit with seamstresses. Um, we see people who come in who are professional, like costume makers, for instance, and they come in and their stuff is fantastic. And we don't see it that often. Uh, I have zero issue with they enter something, give them three at that time. They enter the next tournament, give them three more, like fast track them to like what is kingdom level pretty quickly and then make them compete for those last couple of awards is kind of my my idea for that i remember this being a big deal uh we were down uh teflon you were there too uh too we were down in florida at a neverwinter event and they had someone come in who was she was a professional seamstress i don't know of what what branch she worked in whether it was costume or something else but she had made a few pieces and it got she got fast-tracked it was the first time i'd ever seen it where i i think she'd turned in five or six pieces wow. and they were amazing right and they i she got first through i think sixth and then it stopped there and the climb started from her mm -hmm. seven eight nine and ten yeah i don't really but mind i think there's oh go for it sorry i don't really mind fast tracking i just the only thing that the only caveat to it that i have is like i feel like they should have the same amount of work in the sense of they have to collect each box top right like but i don't have a problem especially with someone who's professional that you can be like okay you sold this, 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 and this. I can just give you for what you did on this thing, one, two, three, and then now your uh, entered stuff will start the count there or something like that, you know? Um. Well, and, and with that, whenever we take a look at, like, what do you do if someone comes in from another game, right? If you have yeah. a Laurel from SCA who got a Laurel for awards, are they going to have, yeah, are they going to have to get better every time? Like, my... To this day, my highest scoring belt, not even belt, my highest scoring entry that I've ever gotten was on a five-point scale. It was a 4.97. I got my fourth order of the owl or something like that <laughs> no, for what? that. Right? Like this to this day, after math, like I've entered four or five tournaments since my masterhood. That is still my highest scoring thing. Should I have then had to get a 4.98 and a 4.99? To, to get the next one? Absolutely not. No, that's that's silly. <laughs> it's it's dumb. I <laughs> well, so this I was I was going to bring this up. People coming in from other games because not necessarily serpent related, right? But um, I mean, we don't really have a problem fast tracking people on other uh, paths. We have a there. Speaking of dag, there's a dag player who has nine orders of the warrior in Winter's Edge and literally only comes through to hit the tournaments on his way to other dag events. Uh, Bell is yeah. the guy's name. Yeah, and and like. So this this guy comes in and you know just dominates the tournament and he gets he gets warriored up and then leaves never even picks up his orders because he's not there to get him mm -hmm. he doesn't play Anthgard but like <laughs> he's obviously good enough to have this like 
to have yeah. the skill. So why does it why is it okay for warriors but not for serpents? Absolutely, and I think he was actually fast tracked to. I think five or six as well. Well, I think he swept and the then, damn tournament, and they just were like, here, five. <laughs> well, and then he won. He has individually won tournaments after that yes. to get all mm-hmm. the way up to his ninth. Mm-hmm. So he so was actually in a race so uh, with Gun. He no. wanted to get uh, his sword belt in our kingdom before... Just so he could uh, never come to Amphgard and rub it Warlord in his face? Gun. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, so, something to consider, too. I think there was this old mindset of masterhood automatically equals knighthood. Um, and I just, I think at least in our area, that is shifting and changing. Um, I, I don't have any issue giving people masterhoods now if they don't play or if they're from another game or whatever, because I don't have any real, like if that guy, for instance, I have zero issue giving that guy a warlord. He's not, at least for me as, as a voter, I'm not going to yes vote someone who doesn't play the game. Right. It, but it used to be, if you got masterhood, it was like a guaranteed to get your belt. And right. that is I don't think any more the case, at least in the areas that I've played in. So it doesn't bother me to fast track someone to masterhood if if that doesn't automatically mean they're going to become a knight. Right. right. So going along with that, um, is the I guess what what is the culture around elevating people to serpent in your area? Is there like a teaching motif with it, or mm-hmm. is it kind of a, a just a model citizen kind of thing? Um, I mean, I know you, it's hard to go into like real detail, but what's kind of the general idea, I guess? Yeah. So teaching is a big part of it, but I don't know if it's necessarily like you have to sit down in a formal class and teach, but more, you just got to be willing to share your knowledge, right? Like it, whether that is in a formal class or whether that's in tutorials or whether that's in one-on-ones, um, it doesn't really matter how this is if, if someone asks you a question, uh, especially in the serpent night, if you are even if you don't know the answer, you need to know the people to point them to and be willing to do that. So, um, and so, I'm not. I'm. I'll oh, go ahead. Go for it. Well, I was gonna say, um, um, uh, Sex Promethea from the Iron Mountains shared this thing the other day on Facebook that was five expectations of knighthood that need to die, and like the first one was a knight has to teach, like that needs to die, and it should be a knight should share resources. Right, so and it says uh, not every knight will have the time, money, or ability to teach on what they've mastered. Instead, knights should focus on helping people get the information they need, which can still be teaching, but isn't explicitly teaching. Mm-hmm. So I thought that like, I think I think nicely. the majority of the time, it probably still is teaching. Like it, it is hard for me to fathom an idea or to like put in my head an idea where you are sharing information that isn't teaching or directing someone to someone who will teach them. You know what I mean? So I think that's more of a wording, like a, and I don't want, it's, it's more than semantics. It's not like just a wordplay thing, but like, I, I still put a lot of value on sharing the information. The majority of the time that probably will be teaching. Yeah. Like, cause I've had a very similar outlook because especially with seeing how uh, warlord gun operates from like a sword perspective, right? Like, He's not great with a big group of people. However, anyone who comes and asks him anything, he will outright tell you whatever he thinks. Or if he's like, that's not me, but you can ask this guy over here. Um, and that in and of itself is still teaching in my book. Yeah. Um, so He'll point people towards good video resources mm-hmm. uh, that, that his knight showed him as he was coming up. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different forms of teaching. Yeah, I think I think part of it, too, is also just mentality and attitude. Um, Sir Declan that we were talking about earlier, I've never seen someone in Amgard be able to like, I don't want to say put up with, but like put up with randos 
as well <laughs> as he does. Like I'll be, we'll be setting set. He'll be setting up his tent, and he'll have three people he's never met before come up and ask him questions about serpent related stuff. And he stops what he's doing, and he, you know, he'll spend an hour with these kids he's never met, and he probably will never meet again. But they, <laughs> like, that is a very good interaction with a serpent knight, and and they'll bring him stuff. And he, like, you you got to ask though. You got to ask. Do you want me to critique this like I would a judge in an ANS tournament, or do you want me to just talk about what I like about it? Cause certain, <laughs> like those are two very different things. Right. And it's some, if a rando at an event comes up and says, Hey, look at my belt. I'm not going to go, Oh, but you missed this and you missed that. I mean, like, dude, that's so cool. How long did it take? You know what I mean? You yeah. start up the conversation <laughs> and you do all that. You're like, but there are some people who will come up and say, Hey, critique this. Let me know what I need to get better. And then you can switch in and being able to do those at the right time, I think is a very important aspect of being a serpent knight. That's fair. No further questions. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, what kind of, you, you mentioned that you dabble. We talked about, uh, a little bit of that. Have you done any kind of leatherworking stuff? I think you said that you, you've done a little bit, uh, there. Is that, a, a big interest that you just haven't moved into yet? No, nah, yeah, not I, a I, whole lot. I, yeah, no, I, I did a little bit, but it was more in like armor making, uh, you know, like mm -hmm. trying to cut out lamellar and punching lamellar and, and weaving that. And I am not, it's funny. I, I am not artistic when it comes to like drawing, which is what tooling, you Same. know, originally comes for. Like I can't, I can't draw to save my life which is why I make digital awards because I can put stuff <laughs> together in Photoshop pretty well, but I can't, I can't draw at all. And so the leather working is kind of an extension of that where I struggle with any, like any art, art that I have to do with my hands <laughs> is, is difficult. And uh, I've given it, I've given it a couple of shots, done a couple of classes here or there, but not something that I, I super enjoyed. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of my thing when I sew is like, I like sewing because, like, the machine will do a straight line for me. There's a lot of places I can hide my crimes in there. <laughs> you just hem something, all those nasty little edges are gone. Yeah, when I tried to learn tooling the last time, like, it was just one of those discs. And my disc became a bowl because I don't understand how hard you hit the thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's overhand with a hammer, like... No, Kink. no, you just... This is this is all about what Godric said. You you repackage it now. What you were doing <laughs> is you were making a cup necklace. Yeah, right. Yep. And, yep. <laughs> to have your meat out of. Yep. So you you need to get yourself a. You're talking about the sewing stuff. You need to get yourself a serger if you don't have access to one. You I talk do. about. Dude, you talk about hiding your airs. Those things are the best. It'll do it for <laughs> you mostly. Yeah. The problem yeah. is when you have to thread the damn thing. That everybody says like, oh, just tie your threads off and whatever. I got mine from a yard sale and it was just completely broken down. Mm -hmm. So having to thread a serger sucks. You should get an order just for being able to thread a serger. <laughs> <laughs> like if you can do it right there with five judges standing over you, mm -hmm. they should put you on like your fifth and just call it clean. Like you can thread that. It's good. It's fine. You it's have to do it's it one of those of where every time I change it, I have to pull up a 30 minute YouTube video and like pause it and then do the step and then play it. Like it's, it's a hassle to change I swear it. I to God, I, I would to. rather do any kind of mechanic work to a car than even touch a serger. Don't you feel like a little bit like you're removing a Pharaoh's brain through his nose for some <laughs> yeah. of those parts? You got to get like a hook down in it and like pull. It sucks so bad. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk to you about from the perspective of a new person um, who they are, they have, been to one of their first kingdom level tournaments. They're starting to uh, to look around at some of the ANS stuff there, and finally seeing 
good garb for the first time and good garb accessories for the first time. And they decide that they would like to try this out. Um, I have actually pointed some of our new people towards your videos for making a belt because it's fairly inexpensive yep. um, and, and easy to do. What are some other good beginner stuff that they could make and begin entering in tournaments if they were interested, if they had a, a perspective close to yours where they want to get very competitive into ANS tournaments? So I think it really depends on the format of your tournament. Uh, so for instance, we used to, when I first started entering, we had a category system and there were like 12 categories and you got three points if you scored first in the category and two points if you scored second and one point if you scored third. Right. And so one of my early tournament wins was spamming one thing in every category because I knew I was going to be one of two people entering into the digital art. You know what I mean? Like, right. so on, if you're going, if that's your tournament format, just go really wide and you have a good chance of winning because not very many other people are willing to make that many things going wide. This is very like, this is how I would approach things like that. Knowing how your tournaments from a competitive level on ANS, knowing how your tournaments are scored and how they're set up is very, very important. Um, so like I've recently yep. entered into a disc golf uh, bag tag tournament thing. And when you go to an event and you turn in your tags, you get a certain amount of points based on what number tag you have. But the value of 1 through 10 is exactly the same. So I don't have to go challenge the number one guy over and over again. I can go get a 10 and not worry about it. So knowing these things is really good for competitive nature. Mm -hmm. Well, and it changes the way that you prep for tournaments. And yes. this is... You talk about new players. If you want to seriously compete in anything, whether it's, it's battle games individually or on a company level if you want to compete in a tournament if you want to or a fighting tournament or an ans tournament it's going to take some practice and some prep before you get there on the day of and if your tournament is the ans tournament is capped at like three items or five items or something like that then that's going to change your prep then if it's like the old systems where you had to qual with like 12 different items you know what i mean so like if if you're only doing uh, three to five things that's going to change how you prep leading up to the months beforehand than uh, if you need to make ten things for instance. Yeah. You can keep going. We don't need him. Okay. <laughs> cool. No worries. I was like, uh, uh, do I need it? Okay. No, no, you're good, yeah. man. I appreciate yeah, yeah. So filling like, the time. I was going to try and get in something, but like just couldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, no worries. But yeah, like find find out the rules for your tournament, right? Like our, our recent ones online have been capped at three items. Um, because it takes a long time to judge and we're doing the online venue and it's new stuff for everybody. So if, if I know that and there's no bonus, like currently our last couple of tournaments, there's been no bonus to go wide. If I enter three belts, I'm going to score the same. Theoretically, if all the items are the same score, then if I do garb, a belt and an award. Right. But there are some tournaments where if you enter three separate things or three different categories, you're going to get a bonus point. And that's, huge for your for your total score if you're trying to win so what what should a new player be looking at if you want to win ans tournaments is find out the the rules of the tournament and prep yourself out beforehand like i i have i i mean i'm a spreadsheet guy and so i have you know i have eight weeks to a tournament i've got my five things that i'm going to make i have the materials i need and how much it's going to cost I have roughly how long I think it will take me to do this. I have, I need to work on this project this week 
and I need stuff done, I'm going to, I actually schedule out when I'm going to do my documentation. Like, because for me, this it's, I approach it the same way that like high end fighters work on their diet and they work on their, you know, like your specific drills. Like I'm showing up on that day to win. And if I'm not showing up on that day to win, I don't want to participate. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it, I totally understand that. Yeah. Except for the diet thing. I understand it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've always struggled with ANS tournaments as a whole because a lot of the ones that I would have had, um, not as much recently, but um, like prior to my break, I guess, is a lot of, like you had said, going wide and stuff like that. So I'd have about three pieces. I was like, I'm really, really proud of these. But if I'm going to compete, I need eight more pieces and I don't know how I'm going to get there. <laughs> we have we have culturally shifted, even pre, uh, pre-COVID, probably the last two years of tournaments have been five item max. Uh, we have really gone away like our quals isn't 12 items anymore or something ridiculous i think it's like three and five for quals and then our dragon masters are capped generally at five items as well like i and i think that i like that format better because i would rather put a lot of effort into a few things um than 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 not but it also from a competitive side is pretty interesting too because if you have someone who's really really good at one thing and you have a Garber who is entering in like what they want to be their masterhood quality item. If you only have three or five items and that score or that item scores significantly higher than everything else there, it has a chance of winning by itself. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's statistically not going to happen all that often, but if you have someone that enters a 10 item across the board and everything else is at seven, um, I guess I don't know how you guys do your your scoring, but for us, we take the average of the competition. Say the average is like a 5.6. You're going to take that and subtract it from your total score for the item. So if it's like my is a seven and the average is a five, I'm going to gain two points towards my total score for that particular item. Does that make sense? Yeah. What you're getting into is really the like into the weeds, quote unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. about I'm how sorry. the tournament. No, sorry. no, 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 this is good. This is good. Yeah, I like absolutely. getting there. I, it's some people may not recognize it. Um, cause we've done some where I think if I remember correct, you subtract a three. So you're trying to get rid of the quote unquote average item and you're getting more points based on mm. being better than average, um, is roughly what the idea is. Well, but we, we actually get the, the, the true average of all the items. Right. We take, if there are 12 items entered and that average happens to be a, a 6.5, my particular item that scores a 7.5 will only accrue me one total point towards winning. Right. I, I really, I don't know, I, I really like that. And at the same time, I don't because I like the idea of, of cutting out what is considered an average item overall. But mm. there's a lot of merit to be had in averaging the uh, actual uh, event as well, because um, you get what you know everyone's looking for for the objective, like uh, or subjective rather, uh, competition that way, right inside mm-hmm. that that comp- the competition itself. So I don't know. That's really interesting. I'd have to really think about that one to how I would prefer it. But again, like this well, is I, what I like about. I like it quite a bit. Oh, sorry, uh, oh, no, I, I like it quite a bit because. If you get the, if you get a really, really good competition, it's going to be different. Say you have like four masters trying to win the thing. The average of the competition goes up, which means like if you're looking to give awards on it, it shows a little, like it goes into the the quality of the competition that you're around. Mm -hmm. If I smoke a tournament, but it has a bunch of Shire level people in it, that doesn't, as a master, that doesn't really mean much for me. Right. But if I win a tournament at 
keep or Olympiad and it's got a bunch of people in it, that average there shows, okay, the average of the tournament was an eight. If we're going by what I said earlier, that's an eighth order of the whatever. Mm -hmm. And this guy got a 10. That means a lot more than this guy got a 10 and the average was a four. Going into this makes me really want the 10 point system and looking at it as an order <laughs> thing more and more like it's like I already was already there just on I like the 10 point scale better than five because people relate to it a little better. Um, but relating it to the orders and, and the averages like this, like it's pretty solid now. I think this is where I want to try and move things. So one, uh, this may not be an objection. Uh, I, I'm yeah. still learning about the, the system, but using that exact same uh, philosophy, would you not also be in a situation now where, let's say, um, new amp garter cabbage goes to um, keep uh, and enters an item for the first time and is entering it against uh, Godric and, and all of these other masters and the average is an 8.3. And, and new amp garter cabbage's piece is good but it's good, like good enough that it would be worth a third. Now he has zero orders right now, so that's great. This system would not hamper New Amp Garter Cabbage because his is going to be a three. He's the the fact that the average is higher doesn't play in because he's not going for an overall tournament win. Have I understood the system correctly? Yeah. So part of the thing that I I kind of I kind of preach to everybody who will listen is on the ANS stuff max out your local level stuff before you go to kingdom. Um, now I don't I would not say that at all for fighting uh, because right. I want more people fighting because it's more fun for everybody if you get seventy five people in a tournament mm -hmm. so it's a little different there but like for me I won my first kingdom dragon master with three orders of was my highest ANS award and so my first best in show that I got. I beat someone that got a ninth, a ninth, and an eighth, and I got a fourth Jeez. on my first best in show. Like <laughs> that sucked. Like it, <laughs> that was more frustrating for me as a new player than what than kind of what you're you're talking about over here, right? So I, I always I always tell people in, max out your local stuff, then travel to your local duchy and max your stuff out there. And once you get into six seven. Then go See, in and enter kingdom level stuff. That um, mindset is really what I drive into of, of talking about trying to, like you were saying, max out your local areas first. Um, because the idea is to bring the highest level of competition to a kingdom level thing. And so with fighting, I kind of agree at the same time. However, like uh, we just don't hold enough local tournaments, I think, is our issue. I don't know how you, if you guys have the same problem in Rising Winds. Like, none of our shires are really being like, hey, we're doing a tournament. Everybody should come, or the baronies or duchies or whatever like that. Um, What's the, the forest group people? Everliving Ever Woods. Everliving Woods. Woods, yeah. Now known as the forest group. <laughs> hello, hello Everliving Woods. I hey, promise I know your name. Our next monarch is from there. Is from Forest Group? <laughs> oh, no. Clover, I'm so sorry. I've, I've worked with him behind the scenes on this for so long. He's, he's trying. He's doing he uses his flashcards. But, like, it, it's just adjusting our expectations whenever we enter different things. And I think that bringing it to um, competing at Shire, Barony, Duchy, Kingdom, things like that is a better way of trying to get the cultural shift to, to move than it is trying to be like, 
-hmm. Well, now listen, a kingdom level tournament, it's really hard. So you're going to get harsh critiques or blah, 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 blah. Just, I don't know. I don't agree with that. (laughs) You shouldn't get harsh critiques first off. I mean. So question, uh, this is another tournament format question for you. We, at least as of the last time that I had seen it, it, it could have changed with the online stuff had started moving our tournaments more towards the categories were the awards. So like you were entering something into Owl, into Dragon. Yeah. Do you like a format like that? Do you not like it? I, to me, it seems like it would pair very well with the 10-point system that was representative of what mm-hmm. order you think, but I might be missing something here. I like it overall because there are a bunch of things in our game that can fall into multiple categories. Um, so if I, as a judge, am getting a leather piece that is pretty well constructed, but the artwork on it is terrible, how do I judge that? Right? Or belts with, that can really realistically fall into all three. Mm-hmm. If I have this particular category where this is, I know what I'm judging it on. And and really, as a judge, it, it if you're judging leather for the construction, that is a very different skill set than the art and the tooling and the paint that goes on it. This is the conversation so I had with Donnie I, the I other day about I love formats art. like that. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, go go for it. You're good, man. No, no, no. I was just I was just pointing out. I had I had a, a on the last episode with with Sir Darko. I had a very similar conversation about how, garb, like how I I am more into the construction of it and less about the fancy dancy, you know, applique or whatever. And so it's one of those things where I would never enter a piece because. I mean, they're, they're gonna go it doesn't have any application garb sucks because it has its own garber thing yeah which is really kind of i think a downfall but just in general knowing but, you know yeah. here's what i'm looking at for this category yeah absolutely like you were saying artwork Godber, I, I like, like that um having you know a, a piece of leather work in front of you and it entered in the owl category it's so much easier to judge overall a piece that way now, so can I can I go on a tangent? And, oh yeah, like, yeah. Okay, my <laughs> my favorite tournament structure that I have seen done is from the SCA, and I have not convinced anybody to let me run it in Ampguard, uh, because it's a kingdom wide type of tournament. So essentially, what you do is all of your local parks hold uh, a tournament, and you can enter five things per person per category, right? Garber, Al, or three, whatever you know, arbitrary thing. The top so many from each park, say 10 in each category from each park, get bumped up to your duchy. And then your duchies do the same thing. And so you have, you got to then make a feeder system, right? But like this duchy is over these six shires. And so you have 60 items theoretically for each category feeding up to the duchies. And then I don't know how you guys work. We have grand duchies, which we have three of them. And they're pretty much for the states that we're in. And so you would have all of your duchies, which generally there's two to three of those per grand duchy feeding in to the grand duchy. And you do that competition again. And then the top 10 items from each of those keep pyramiding up until you get to kingdom level. And it is the top 10 items in each category from all across the kingdom. And it lets your local people see all of the, the stuff that's there. Like your Shire level people are seeing the stuff that's getting entered in the Shire level. So your the people who can give awards are still seeing all of the things at that level. And then as it goes up, you can look at your guy who's from, you know, Shire bum nowhere, who is now competing with master from this duchy 
that that's pretty cool. And you can actually see them side by side and see how far you go up the tournament, the the pyramid. Does that make sense? Like, did I explain it well? Yeah, no. Yeah. For me, I, I thought it was explained very well. I've, I've actually had a very similar idea. It's not quite, quite some from the ground up as that, which I really actually enjoy better than my ideas. Well, in Winter's Edge, we don't have the structure for it. We only have, what, one duchy? Well, sure. Uh, two? Sylvan Glades still oh, duchy? Oh, really? I can't remember. Yeah, we might have two duchies. No grand duchies, <laughs> although it does exist per Arcapora. How many parks do you have yeah. total? Roughly. <laughs> roughly. I think like... Someone, you can check the orc. I want to say it's like 40 or 50. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's we, we are a massive kingdom. <laughs> we're, I mean, we've... we're at 13. 16. <laughs> Sorry, 16. <laughs> There's the difference. <laughs> but I was and thinking... We, I'll, get in, I'll get into this later. That... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was uh, <laughs> I was thinking about cutting the top three in each category effectively in a kingdom tournament. So then, then you're not having to waste as much time as a judge. You can put a lot more energy in those top three items because you usually you can tell what's the top three five items that are in a category or something like that pretty much off a glance, and then go into detail only on the ones that need to be graded. Um, but this kind of does the same thing, and I really like the aspect of it bringing the. Uh, the structure of Shire to Barony to, yeah. you know, everything in. I think that's a really cool system. And I say you should just do it. You know, don't even wait for the kingdom <laughs> to allow you to. Just do it. Well, <laughs> I'll blow your mind. Uh, we are talking about cultural differences between mm-hmm. uh, Ampgard and Dag earlier. Cultural difference between SCA and Ampgard. Uh, SCA to enter in one of these local tournaments, you got you a day trip to an event and pay a day trip fee to enter your stuff. Yeah. Can you imagine the fit AmpGuard would have if you paywall <laughs> a tournament? Yeah, absolutely. And they paywall it like three times before you get it up to the top. Uh, like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked, uh, we've talked very briefly about this before, but uh, there's other things that, like pay-wise that I think that, uh, that they do as well. This is only tangentially related to ANS in that it is food. ANS sometimes <laughs> is done as food, and I like food. Um, <laughs> but I know that there's a lot of other games, too, uh, where you don't get to eat at the tournament as part of your gate fee. You know, the the food is something that yeah. you sign up for separately. So you know how many people you're going to be feeding ahead of time as the what we would call feastocrat, um, because only... 50 people paid for food and only 50 people are getting that food period ah, meal tickets sucks. or vendors because <clears throat> and that's, da- dag and stuff sometimes work off the vendor thing yep. where like you you go to an yep. event and you get feast on saturday night and then that's it you're expected to pay vendors effectively or bring your own yep that's how that oh the olympics event that i was talking about earlier that's how they operate they do a one meal on saturday night it's catered it's on time it's fantastic some all shade the, time. <laughs> the and, shade well, with the on time it is, it is because and it will never change an amp guard because if we get rid of feast we get rid of a third of our rose opportunities See? and i understand why it's there but i love going to o's because olympics is the the event sorry right. because the i i know what i need to prepare they know what they need to prepare the food is always on time it's always professionally done it after a long day of fighting in tournaments to not have to worry if my chicken's cooked all the way is just I, something i don't get <laughs> too often, you know? no so like you bring up the point about losing some of the rose opportunities and i actually don't think we lose them as much it's just a different creative outlet for it right like you can then bring and be like hey i'm going to be uh making pork or something like that so hey 
before the event, Flo, do you want a pork sandwich or whatever? And then just do it yourself. Of course I do. Right. And then that way you collect it. <laughs> you, you effectively make your meal ticket and then you can be a feast person or a feast vendor or whatever and still be doing things for the game but like that. to the original point, we, we would lose people if we didn't provide food at events, I think. Yeah, probably. Like, ah, no food. Well, if you pay an they extra $2, also... Sir Gillen will hit you in the face with a ham sandwich. Like, <laughs> that's what we can do for it, you. That's only two bucks. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Um, so I brought this up they for a reason. They also bring in food trucks too. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go yeah. for it. Go no, for no, it. no. The food trucks, uh, I, I brought this up for, for a reason. And I was going to mention vending is bigger uh, at a lot of these other uh, places, which is something that I don't know how that would work out uh, in Ipgard. One of the side effects of being the free game is that we have uh, some people that might not might not be able to come to events if there wasn't also all, also three squares being provided. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, let's let's just be Some be of my earliest Amped Guard events that I went to, like I would not have lived through them if there wasn't food provided because I was very broke at the time. Yeah, my, me as well. Um, so I love the food vending idea. I also think that it gives more outlets to uh, for people to shine, for people to become those food vendors. Um, we have a lot of people in our kingdom yeah. who are great. They're great uh, at making food, at being that person that, uh, that is doing all of the feasty stuff and kitchen and stuff. Taverns or things Taverns, like that. Taverns, yeah. Man, do you remember the tavern that Semi used to run? Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. I don't remember the name of it, the Wild Boar or Boar's Head or something. But yeah. I think Boar's Head is lunch meat. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, it wasn't the, that the then. Tupperware. <laughs> Someone's going to correct me. Yeah. Um, but... Um, we we lose a, a little bit of that when um, when when vending isn't really an option, um, and because we're providing the food for free, I don't think that a vendor could come out and do very well. You know, we this is a it, we're we're propagating our own problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why would I pay well, for that I vendor when I can get the uncooked on... chicken for free? <laughs> <laughs> It also depends on your site, right? Like the main, the main camping site that uh, in the Rising Winds we use for all of our events, but Keep uh, has a little pizza shop on, like on campus, and so we part oh, wow. of our contract is we are not allowed. Yeah, we are not allowed to bring in outside food vendors, uh, oh. and and it's yeah. So like it, it kind of some places it doesn't always work too great. So. I get that. It's just that's one of the reasons I love Olympics so much is I love the food vendors and I love the catered food. Yeah, absolutely. So here is my second tie-in to that, uh, to the reason that I brought it up. Food is made at ANS tournaments a lot, and, and at least here, maybe not in all of Ampgard, it's kind of seen as the lazy way to. to I need to put in so many entries, and this is a free space. Yeah, so I'm gonna do a, you know a crockpot dish, or I'm gonna do a dessert. Betty Crocker brownies, bud. Come on. <laughs> Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Um, but how, have you ever done any food entries? How do you feel about uh, food entries? So I haven't done any, um, but we have a guy actually, his name's Zach in our kingdom. He is at, I want to say nine. It might be eight, but I'm pretty sure nine. Um, and he's a professional chef and he comes in for ANS tournaments and will do, well, he's done a couple where he cooks in front of the judges. Uh, he's done some really, and he brings all of his stuff and he has talked about this in the past, the, 
how difficult it is to make something at home and bring it to AmpGuard and have it be good. Yeah. And so he has overcome that by bringing all of his stuff to AmpGuard and doing it there in front of the judges, which is pretty cool. If somebody did a hibachi restaurant style, like they did the onion volcano and everything in front of me as a judge, <laughs> you just you just get your belt. I, I don't. Yeah, I, <laughs> like your well, you guys you can have mine. I don't even. Hold on. Here's your belt. Ding 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 <laughs> ding ding. You guys couldn't do it though because your judges are anonymous for some silly reason. Yeah, right. <laughs> Feed me through the curtain. I don't care. <laughs> no, see, that's actually a, a good point because they are anonymous unless it has to be not done, like for. Um, bardic type entries and things like this. So it becomes a disservice to those who ha- do things from a demo perspective uh, to have them be known and the other ones not, you know, like it's, I don't understand the, the, the hiccup there. It's, it's not something that I care about, I guess. It's just, you get one of those, like, like at a Catholic church, you get a little confessional and you Lord, go in and you no, present your no, entry. Stop. <laughs> Play with me. Judge, forgive me for I have created a food item. <laughs> I don't. We, didn't, we didn't take the little mesh screen out. I'm just going to push this yeah. brownie through. It's like <laughs> oh, no. Play-Doh. I'm gonna, yeah. And food items in AmGuard are either like the best thing you've ever had or the absolute worst thing oh, you've ever had, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, it's, and both of them are not exactly the fault of the person, or well, at least the worst thing, right? Like sometimes it just doesn't travel well and you didn't know mm-hmm. And it sucks, like you were saying earlier, because ugh, I, I like I like food as the entry, but I personally hate judging it because I'm super picky. So it's yeah. I don't I'm just like, OK, so who likes food? Because it's not me. <laughs> so Lucas or Flo, tell me what I should grade this as as a judge. And I hate that. Yeah. Well, that's something that's something I, I try to account for whenever I run tournaments is if any of my judges are like that, either a super picky or b like lactose intolerant and someone's making we've had that before. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so I have a judge or like when I when I run tournaments, I try not to be one of the judges. And so I can fill in gaps when needed. And that's one of those gaps is if someone has a food allergy then me or I can grab someone else before if I know beforehand. Right you know, hey, don't, you don't have to judge this. If you're ever looking for uh, for a food judge. <laughs> Just um, holla at your boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this is this is something I wanted to ask. Uh, a lot of the, the people that we've talked to on Serpent Month have, like, a specific thing that they're into at the moment. Um, you know, and it's, it's not always, like, you know, what they got their belt for. Like, when we talked to Sir Darko, he's doing, he built a rock climbing wall. Like, that's yeah. not even, like, I don't know how you call that. <laughs> So what are you into right now? I know with online ANS being a thing, there's a, people are branching out into a lot of new stuff. Is there something new you're picking up or, or something that you're particularly, you know, kind of stuck on? Yeah, for sure. The, the last two online tournaments, all of my entries have been garb, um, which has been hard for me because um, I'm not <laughs> very good at garb. And it kills me to put my like tournament reputation on the line on something that I'm not 100% confident in yet. Um, but it's been it's been good. Um, I've actually been making quite a bit of stuff out of silk. Uh, you can get these, they're called saris and they're from, they're from India yep. yeah. and you get them and they're like, yeah. And you can get those essentially it's five to six yards of, of silk for 30 to $35, um, which is way cheaper than what you can get it for if you buy it, you know, normally. Yeah. And they come with all these beautiful patterns on them. And so I've been working on my goal maybe we'll see i would love to get masterhood and garber without learning to applique i don't think it's gonna happen <laughs> same. but i'm exact gonna try same. it i would and, love that yeah yeah and so i'm gonna do it with historical patterns i'm a sucker for the historical stuff 
and I'm going to do it with hard to work with fabrics like silk and, you know, some of the other stuff that's, that most people don't normally work, our garbers don't normally work with. That'd be really cool. There's a, I actually fell down a rabbit hole um, and I still haven't climbed out of, uh, there's, there's several YouTubers <laughs> that do like historical, mostly like Victorian sewing. Um, and they either do it by hand or they do it with like time period appropriate machines. But some of the, the craftsmanship that goes into that, like using horsehair, uh, like as a, as a canvas, as a, um, interfacing material. And then the way that you arrange it. So the material will peak in certain places is really cool. Like I've never huh. seen anything like that in Amthgard. Um, it's something that I'd like to try. Yeah. I don't even know where to find that stuff. Horsehair. And I'd be so afraid. Oh, it's right down the road. <laughs> the canvas. Oh. oh. We don't I'd have be any so canvas afraid horses. To put all that energy into something like that and then mess it up or like rip it. Or like if I'm going to hand sew something, I don't ever want to take it on the field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've, I've hand sewed a few pieces now that have, or I've had to hand sew some things in a few pieces that that's worked out. Okay. I think if you're just careful with it, you can pull it off. I remember something else I wanted to ask you. We've had some fairly strong opinions this month on court garb. And, um, what are, and and I don't want you to, to go into this blind. This isn't a gotcha question or anything. Um, some of the people feel like court garb is maybe a little too fancied up. Nowadays, like uh, we heard court in the word court garb and really went for like Victorian era ball gown uh, equivalent stuff where your court garb could be something like I'm Flo the the Viking. And so my court garb is like, you know, bits and pieces of Hagar the Horrible. Yeah, it's Hagar the Horrible or something (laughs) like that. Do you have a strong opinion on court garb one way or another? Isn't that, that used to be a drink a kid a drinking game? Not really. You know, the horrible was a, a was a newspaper comic. Yeah. yeah, it was, and they they came out with a board game that was a drinking game for it. I used to have it when I was little. Oh, oh my God. I collect board games. <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. go ahead. <laughs> I don't I don't have a super strong opinion. Um, I try and make I most of the garb that I have is I try to be fancier because I like the DAG and SCA standards. But I don't. I don't particularly have anything that's specifically for court. So like most of the garb that I wear, I try and have it be like if someone sees it on the field, they're like, "Oh wow, that's cool. I want to go get a better look at that." But when I buy that from people who are better than me at making it, uh, <laughs> I want it to be sturdy enough to be able to fight into, you know. Yeah. So like the only piece of actual court garb I have, I have a uh, one of the things that I love uh, a whole lot is Mongolian culture. So I've got some, some deals and some, you know, of the Mongolian garb and I have a particular pair of boots that I will wear for court. But oh, other nice. than that, everything else that I wear to court is stuff I will go field in and I want it to look good enough to be at court and people go, wow, but I want it to be made strong enough to where I can fight in it for five years and it not break on me. Yeah. I would be so thrilled if everybody showed up to court in ball gowns and shit. Like no joke. <laughs> That would be so awesome. I'll just go home. Oh. Yeah, I was saying, Teflon, so where you did you get a we ball were... gown that fits you? <laughs> All right. If, we, if we someone made a ball gown for me, then the, uh... I'd totally wear it. We were just talking about some of the uh, cost benefits of AmpGuard. I don't feel like that would fit in with the... <laughs> right, yeah. Like that, that, yeah. I mean, you make a great point because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to go court guard. I'm going to go all out and do all these things, and it's... Yeah, I don't think it really makes people necessarily feel down on on their stuff, but it might, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Um, but it's kind of a weird one too, because you don't want to like 
uh, uh, stunt someone's creativity or anything either. So. Yeah, I wouldn't tell someone not to wear nice garb just yeah. because it'll make people feel bad. Like, you know, don't wear nice garb and then tell them their garb sucks. Like, that's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, you've worn your peasant clothes. Yes. <laughs> Hold my top hat. <laughs> nice burlap sack, loser. <laughs> O'Doyle <Somebody>. rules. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we're a villain in an 80s movie now. I don't know. <laughs> Some of the coolest court guard that I've seen, though, we have a guy, uh, a knight in our kingdom, who's trying to get a uh, paragon peasant or master peasant or whatever. And get he subway for years, on the phone. <laughs> well, he for years would only play with, uh, like, he would field with just a single short. But his garb was like it looked like what you would think of if you're pulling a peasant from Braveheart or from like one of those, those type of movies. And he had the, and he would walk into court and he would have this garb on and he would sit down at like right outside of the the door to go into court and like beg for food. And like he, he handed up and it was awesome. Like oh, it, it was good. really cool. See, that's master mask Rising winds. Why haven't you given this person their master peasant? <laughs> I don't even know them and I'm on their side. Because it's a penalty. I hate this thing. I hate master peasants and paragon peasants and everything because it's just a master mask to me at that point. It's that not about done. you. It's about their new master peasant. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's the sash for a master peasant? Is it just a strip of burlap? See? No, no. There's a problem again because it's a penalty. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got it. I've got it. the The strip that they use is a stolen strip from another. No, it can be anything. It's clear. It's clear with two silver stripes on the other side. That's how I guess it would have to be. <laughs> it's just two pieces of silver, with nothing in between. Yeah. What? No, what? What they need to do is whenever they change over, uh, get rid of Pally anti Pally, all of the Paladin and anti Paladin garb that has to get thrown away because it's no longer needed. That's what we, we should make into the peasant stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I have a compatriot in this. Good, good. <laughs> Just a big pile of garb that the peasants are sorting through. <laughs> you got to drag it behind the car. It's all the or phoenixes first, that we so no longer looks... need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You oh, can man. take my phoenix from my cold dead hands. It's right in there. I'll just take it off the wall. Yeah, you can. Oh, wait. Hold on. What? what? Oh, you do have my phoenix. <laughs> what now, Flo? What oh, now, no. sir, Flo? How did you find it? It's been holding my phone and car keys. <laughs> At least it's getting some use. Yeah. Oh, come on now. I was sitting on it earlier, but we ate five guys, and I didn't want to do that to your <laughs> nighting pillow. It seemed wrong. This, this is what I have to deal with. These, these two, these we're two jokers. Lovely, you know it, Sir Godric, <laughs> uh, we're, we're rapidly approaching that point where uh, we ask the, the question we ask everyone, and it's always the hardest question. Um, do you have a, a favorite moment or crazy story in your your Amthgard career? And if you need time to think about it, if I these do. guys have put, any other questions for you, they can float them. <laughs> so I actually put some thought into this one uh, before before I came on. So the uh, one of the one of my coolest my favorite stories was I was we had just come back a year after our park had been started. So you know, fairly new player, don't even really have garb yet, new type of player, and uh, the local. Uh, duchy had raided our little park and when they did it was awesome 
we actually got to see, you know, how classes were supposed to be played and good stuff. And like, it was a lot of fun and they were great. They traveled to us once a month and would come fight with us. It was great. Well, they, they ended up leaving their banner uh, at the park one day and we call it we, a banner. I mean, it's like, you know, six foot banner. Like it's, it's a fairly large thing. Yeah. And so our park Monarch got on Facebook and started hamming it up. You know, the, the grand or the, the duchy of Griffin's perch has left their banner and their servitude to us, their new overlord, you know, it just hammed it up. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the Monarch, the Monarch of their park did the same thing. Like it, everyone was in on it. It was a good joke, you know? <laughs> and so it got this built up thing into, we decided to make it a day event. And so we picked a Saturday and one of the local amp guarders had some beautiful property and it was, you know, like 15 or 20 acres. And, um, it ended up both sides were trying to call in their allies. And so different parks were throwing in their weight behind the established duchy or the new Shire, the rebellious Shire, you know? And, and so we show up and this is like my, I think I had been to one kingdom event at that point. And so I'm, I'm still very new. And I had told our monarch, hey, I have an idea for how we can win. Because essentially it was an hour-long battle. It was the two teams against each other. The duchy could win by shattering all of us or reclaiming the flag. We won by maintaining the flag or shattering all of them. <laughs> we weren't going to shatter all of them. We right. knew, like, <laughs> you know, they, they show up. They have probably at least two to one on their numbers after all the chips had fallen. They had all the knights, they had all the established players. Like we had only been apart for a year, year and a half. And so I remember telling the monarch, our, our park monarch, I said, hey, I've got a plan for how we can win this. And this was seven seven. Um, and it involved a bunch of walls and a bunch of, you know, stuff, you know, stuff yes. like that. And uh, <laughs> so he pulls me up on this stump and says, he goes, all right, tell, you know, say the plan. And I'm like, freaking out you know and i've got all these guys in front of me taking a knee and armor and like these people so at the time in indianapolis there were four or five duchies within a two-hour drive so like we we had we had probably a hundred people at this day event and and Damn. so i'm i'm up on this little stump you know here's the plan to the 30 of our guys that are there and we're, we're outnumbered two to one and so we we get the fight or we start the fight and they give me the flag and the plan was for me to book it to one end, one corner of the property, hide the flag, throw all my six level wizard walls and non whatever, all the, you know, seven, seven nonsense that there used to be around it. And then I was going to run to the other end of the, uh, the, the property, climb a tree and wait. <laughs> and cause then we would win cause they couldn't shatter us all. Cause I was alive. <laughs> and, so you know this the hour battle goes on essentially the the other team had shattered everyone else on my team in the first like 20 minutes like it was it was a slaughter it, it was just, it was really bad and so after an hour we ended up winning and no one found me and so i was i remember they were calling they're like hey you can come out now you can come out now and i it was those nights that i didn't know from the other park so i didn't come out of the tree because i thought they were trying to trick me you know and and so it took it it took my uh, my park park monarch to say, all right, you can come out, you know, and come down. And I remember like we won and we shouldn't have won, and like they threw this me up on their shoulders, and like it was just a really cool moment. And so what I like why I think that that is pertinent to Ampguard, and I try and do it now, is make the new player the hero. Like that that is something that I will never forget. I like 
straight new. Like I remember I had just hit level six on wizard because I had to to for this plan to work. Like no garb, of loner weapons, all this stuff. <laughs> and and making the new player the hero is something that I think will grow not grow our game, but like it instills something in people that they matter and it's something that they're gonna want to keep playing in. And uh, that was just such a fun a fun day, a fun event. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I, I can get really behind the idea of making the new player the hero because everybody needs a story like yours or needs to oh, hear yeah. a story like yours to really get them invested in the game. And it's not a hard thing to do. I mean, really, all you have to do is give them the opportunity and then just stand behind them while they're doing their thing and cheer them on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that, that expensive a cost to make that happen. Jay and I may or may not have had rules made against us because of the exact same kind of thing whenever we were in 7-7. <laughs> I was going to say, you've done wacky shit with walls and you've done decoy, hide the flag. Boundaries yep. at yep. local park was definitely my fault. Because I was like, oh, we can touch her flag at all times? Well, see you guys. I'm going to go in the woods and uh, run off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when Banner Wars was still a thing and the triads were going to be going, Jay was going to make our flag a... Uh, it was like a concrete slab 12, or yeah, something Yeah, 12-inch like 12 12 <laughs> thick, four-foot by two-foot flag because there was no real rules on what <laughs> yeah. the flag could be. So they had to pick the flag up and like bring it across the little like bridge and things for Banner Wars. And he's like, if they want to do it, fine. They deserve to win. <laughs> As if Amphiarders don't have enough back problems. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, bud. We miss you, I, just, Jay. <laughs> I remember at the beginning of that fight, like, trying to heat weapon a knight. And I didn't even know that there were pally and anti-pally at this point. And I remember this knight just kind of looking at me and like, okay. And then continued to hit people with his pole, yeah. you know. And uh, and I just, I, I remember, sorry about that. I uh, I remember, like, that was, like, devastating to me. It was like what's going on? I have no clue. And like wide eyed in battle, you know, and then they gave me the flag. They're like, go, go, go. And I just, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Absolutely. You know, like it, it was so fun. Everyone, <laughs> like, like Lucas said, everyone deserves to have that memory. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Like this, this is where I, I run into the problem of like balance wise and what the class do classes do and things. And V8 is so much better overall, but you miss <clears throat> some of that kind of stuff. Or at least I do. I don't see that kind of thing as often anymore and it's kind of a shame because i i can't tell if it's just nostalgia glasses or if it's just the where the game state was in seven and six because i really think i had more fun in those those systems it can be both yeah man i love battle cleric in seven i loved being able to be like one step behind your front line yeah uh doing things like uh, swords to plowshare. That stupid spell. I love swords to plowshare so much. You like stick a dagger in your buddy's uh, back belt pocket, and then swords to plowshare, and it's an instant heal. Yeah. Extended onto the shield person who only has one sword. Yeah. That's on the other team. So oh no, they're healed, and now their weapon's gone. I yeah. hate that stupid spell. That'd be a cool one to make a comeback. That and, you know, and mimic. Oh, uh, you got to get off the mimic thing, man. I'm not. I'm not, and I won't. Yeah. It won't happen. <laughs> what was your favorite class? I, I really seven? miss the the per lives. Oh, sorry. Um, I liked probably wizard was the most fun, but really I only was able to max like wizard and maybe monk, and then it switched to eight. Gotcha. So I didn't. I I came in on just the tail end of seven, and the transition to eight was hard for me because of the the life count changing. Like that, I really liked the the idea of being able to shatter out 
because it made the battle games actually like I had to think about is the action I'm about to do actually worth it. Um, and I feel like V8 in is is kind of missing that now because we get to the point, at least at park level, I don't know if you guys are like this too, where if I get hit with any CC, yep. I'm just going to like, Dead. I'm going to tap out and go back. And that's that's frustrating. And if I only had five lives on that, I'm you can bet I'm going to sit there for that minute. You know what I mean? Or however long oh, yeah. it is because five I don't want to lose one of those precious material, you know? Man, yeah. life counts is such a weird thing too. Like, I'm with you to some degree. Um, with the whole, that makes death matter, uh, with life counts. And that's a really good thing, but man, is it punishing for a newer player at the same time? So I don't know. Like it's really, mm -hmm. it can't be barbarians get three lives at first level. I almost, I'd almost wish it'd be the, the, the opposite where like, if you're level one, you end up with more lives, but less <laughs> abilities. And then as you level up, if you're six, you have like three lives and you have all these abilities and you're really powerful, but you have to make a really hard choices <laughs> with your lives could be really interesting. I don't know. Take this uh, six level ability, but also you lose one of your lives. Yeah. Something <laughs> weird like that. That'd be cool. so I like the balance of the rock, paper, scissors of V8. I think that's very fun from a competitive standpoint to try mm -hmm. and like in Phoenix league, trying to figure out what you know what team is gonna what my team needs to be able to beat your team yeah. i like that quite a bit but i do miss the life count i, f I feel like there's a way you can do both yeah where you can still have ground somewhere yeah because where casters were 10 to 1 or 5 to 1 that stuff was nonsense like yes. that was not a fun thing to do <laughs> but there's got to be a way to do the rock paper scissors but still make your death mean something yeah i mean in six and uh, less than seven, but definitely in six, like wizard was a pet class for somebody who was making the rules. Cause like you legit <laughs> spent like one point and you, you, you got the most lives in the game. You had the options for that. You had the most powerful spells list. Mostly druid can compete in some degree, but not as like staying power wise. And then like, uh, your weapons were cheaper than everybody else's. It was just, it was abysmal as far as that balance goes. But again, like, like you said, there's those those moments in the game where you have just these hero heroic moments, or at least these like triumphant type moments in the game that are more that matter more, really. So I don't know, like it's it's something that I want to try and emulate in V8, uh, but I I'm having a harder time to get there. Wow. Yeah. And I am not one to be able to fix all that. So plug <laughs> for all of the V9 surveys and whatnot that are yeah, going absolutely. out. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Go That's take what I was about to say. And, yeah. let, and let people who are smarter than me go and, and figure out how to make this better. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think that runs us right up on our time. Um, we're going to roll the outro here in just a second. But do you have anything you want to plug or anything cool you want to get in right here at the end or anything I can put in the show notes? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. If uh, the we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the the Weavers Guild for LARPing, uh, if you I love making belts. If you want to learn anything about it, feel free. Come on. Join us there. We'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Sir Godric, thank you so much for your time. We're going to go ahead again, and roll man. the outro. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If Stick you like around for just a second, make sure man. to subscribe to our podcast on <clears throat> YouTube or Spotify to get notified about new episodes and make sure to follow us on Facebook for announcements and more.